0: Welcome to another episode of the Colby cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. And this week, we're going to add another category to that, at least for me anyway, and that's some therapy. Because the two things we're going to be talking about, what we've been talking about for weeks, the last of us and the bad batch. I just need a little bit of therapy after watching these episodes. So here to help me accomplish that goal Caleb and Luke are back to help their old man, their dad, get over some emotional issues, which were severely, severely caused by this week of storytelling. So without further ado, hello, Caleb,
1: and welcome back. Hello, thank you.
0: How was your trip uh, across the, the Dune Sea?
1: <laughs> it was great. Didn't need any like oxygen or anything like that like in Dune, so that was <laughs> great. But it was awesome. It was my first time being in Vegas, where I could actually enjoy it like a quote-unquote adult didn't need to have any extra stresses of being like, mom, dad, can we go? It was just like, let's go. So it was fun. We got to see some great performers and enjoy our time, but I'm glad to be back.
0: Fantastic. And we're glad you are back too. Uh, Luke, hello. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. That's the second week in a row that you've asked me how I'm doing and I never expect it. So um, yeah, good. <laughs> uh, I, I just said I need some therapy because of The Last of Us and, and The Bad Batch, but um, overall I'm, I'm doing good so help me uh, let's let's get to this help me get over some of this storytelling that we have been exposed to the last week because I tell you I'm just sort of beside myself and in, in a giddy way but at the same time a very heavy way of the amazing storytelling that we have had because it really is truly the last week of content that we've consumed and that we've been talking about on the podcast really, I think, reached another level. And it makes me very happy that we do have a podcast that we can talk about this kind of stuff. (laughs) Because these are the kind of episodes and stories that really get me uh, wanting to talk about things. So I'm glad that you guys are here to do that with me. And I'm glad that we're able to put this out and sort of um, just include our friends and community in the discussion. So let's tackle The Last of Us first, as we have been doing. And let's hear what you guys have to say. Now, again, what we usually do is we walk around the house avoiding eye contact, trying not to spoil anything if we've watched it (laughs) separately and not seriously not talking about what we watched so that we can keep our words and our reactions authentic for the podcast. Um, So here it is. This is what I've been waiting for. Who wants to go first? Caleb, Luke? give it to me. What did you guys think of The Last of Us, the most recent episode?
1: I think we should change it up and have your opinion first, because I really want to know what you thought of it.
0: You're going to do that to me? Luke, yes, do you, I am. Luke, do you second that emotion? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so you're going to make me go first. Um, I was... I, look, I tweeted this after uh after the episode after i watched the episode it was friday night when it came out so it didn't have to go toe-to-toe with the big game of the super bowl uh and you
1: mean the the rihanna
0: concert yeah the 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 football game that's going to happen during the rihanna concert yes
1: okay cool cool,
0: um so the only word i could come up with was remarkable and i don't only mean that about this episode which this episode again to me was remarkable it it's about the show entirely now this is the second time in I don't you know I'm not even count, I don't I don't know how many episodes is this is episode 5 right uh, the one with Henry and Sam I believe so yeah this is the second time now in this extremely entertaining show that they've given us an entire story about two people that we had no very little information about beforehand then going into the episode we get this Fully fleshed out story um, within an hour. And I just think that this show is so remarkable in its efficiency of telling us a story. And I mean, so before I go on, spoilers. All right, everybody. (laughs) Spoilers for The Last of Us, the most recent episode five. Um, Henry and Sam, we heard about Henry, we knew a little bit about them. From the previous episode because of the exposition the dialogue that we were given um, through the uh, the freedom fighters the people that had taken over Kansas City but we didn't know very much as a matter of fact I was a little confused from the previous episode because who are who's Henry who's Sam but we get it pretty quickly here at the beginning of this episode but again going into it not knowing much about these characters And then fast forward to the end and their, again, spoilers, their untimely demise. I felt it, guys. I felt it. I was beside myself. And, you know, I was watching the episode with mom. And I don't know a lot about The Last of Us. I never played the game. But I just had this feeling. And I sort of looked, I looked over at mom and I said, once we started to really feel things for Henry and Sam, because it didn't take too long for us. I looked at mom and I said, I don't think we should get attached to these two characters. And she asked why. And I go, well, I don't know anything for sure, but I just know that this show is about Joel and Ellie. And I don't think that Henry and Sam are going to be a part of anything else going forward. And then I did not take my own advice. I just fell in love with Henry and I fell in love with Sam. And how could you not? And then to see what happened with them, was so shocking. So we can get into more details as we go, but I just, again, I'll go back to that word remarkable. I just think that the way that they're telling us stories on a week-to-week basis is just remarkable, top-notch, just elite. So there you go. Now it's your turn.
1: I felt similarly. I thought it was a great episode because of the storytelling. You mentioned it where they're giving us a character that we don't really know anything about and then we're already attached to them even before it hits the halfway mark. But I would even go to the extent of saying we thought they were another villain coming across the road with uh, with Ellie and Joel. And then all of a sudden, the beginning of the new episode it's like, oh, no, they're going to work together and they're going to be better for it. And unfortunately, the ending was gut wrenching for anybody who has a heart. <laughs> but um, when it gets to the point where you see them allowing themselves to be kids allowing themselves to be a little bit free I just I felt so bad because our experience last episode it was like all right there's these two adults falling in love it's a love story it's wonderful and then they're gone and then now it's like okay there's two young people with their entire lives in front of them I was having PTSD Be like, okay, I'm not going to get myself attached to anybody. I'm not even attached to Ellie and Joel at this point because I'm so scared that something's going to happen to one of them one way or another. <laughs> and of course we wouldn't have a show with, with either of them gone, but that's just how I am. So to see their dynamic, it wasn't another father, daughter. It wasn't another, just, it, they were siblings, but they were of the right age where it was like a paternal figure taking care of a, a child. And I just, I thought it was so interesting and so well done that they didn't give him any vocals. He was able to laugh and you saw Henry's reaction, just being so happy hearing his brother laugh again. And he says it is the first time I've heard that in a really long time, but the dynamic where he literally can't hear the, the, protagonists behind him or anything around him. He kept asking, what did he say? What's going on? Explain it to me. And I just thought that was so, so cool and so well done. And something that I think not a lot of shows can get away with, but this one does a really good job of knocking it out of the park.
0: Luke?
2: Yeah, I mean, I love a good plot twist. And the fact that they made it through all of that to still end up the same way they would have ended up in any other situation it's sort of poetic and this show the storytelling is incredible I mean the acting is incredible the storyline's incredible but just the execution and they get you attached to these characters who really like you just met and realistically like we don't really know Joel and Ellie all that well either there was a we met Joel and we knew him for what was the span of a day. And then he completely fast forward 20 years and there's 20 years of story missing. And we have no idea who's Ellie's parents are, where she came from, anything like that. We hardly know them, but we've already created such an attachment to them. Now these brand new characters who we know even less about and we're already attached to them. And it's incredible that they were able to get you so invested and then just rip your heart out anyways. And I really respect that.
1: One thing I really liked about the conversation that Joel and Henry had was the sort of vulnerability that Joel shows. He's very guarded. When Ellie's first introduced to Joel, he's asking, she's asking a million questions. Who are you? Where did you come from? What is this? What is this? And then he starts to pry. She starts to pry a little bit. And he's like, all right, no more questions. But this time around, they make it clear where they're going. And then they're sitting in this hotel room that is no longer just a hotel room. Is this a shelter for them? And they say, I don't know what your guys' plans are anymore. But you're, he essentially invites them and opens up that slight bit that we never see Joel do, because he can see the authenticity that Henry is showing toward his brother and towards them. And they're ultimately trying to achieve the same goal of enduring and surviving, and I thought that was a great theme from when they introduced it.
0: It's an astute observation, and even and it introduces another angle of the heartbreak of what then occurs. Because, I mean, I just as soon as as soon as those um, infected started to attack, first of all horror movie, right? That is some scary stuff. You've got so many of them. You've got that massive bloater, uh, which apparently was a very, very large stunt man equipped in like an 80 pound fat suit and then made up to look like a, like an infected. So he
1: needs a raise. (laughs) He killed it. That was awesome.
0: Unbelievable. But as scary as that big one was, Just the sheer numbers and the ferocity of the others, the ones that are not coordinated at all, but they just overwhelm with numbers was terrifying. It was so scary to me.
1: As scary and as crazy as the numbers were, the one that shook me to my core was the one chasing Ellie through the car. Yep. The way the little girl moved. Yep. Because you can very obviously tell the way it's dressed is still in like children's clothes and stuff. Yes, yeah. And was going after anything i it just broke my heart thinking that that was a child before it turned into a a zombie or a mushroom depending on how you want to categorize them but and then it got kathleen and it just went crazy on her it was intense
0: I, i i want to talk about that and i want to talk about kathleen but we're going to put a pin in kathleen here for a second um because i don't want to miss and i don't want to forget my thought about what you said with Joel and and Henry, because um, so we'll, we'll zoom back to that thought. And it I talked about it just making the heartbreak even even worse. And the reason my mind went to the attack was because we saw Henry and Sam under that car and Ellie go try to save them. And there was a clicker that was there, or I don't know what the exact term is. If I know clickers are different than bloaters and this and that, but there was an infected thing uh, trying to get at them under that car. And as soon as I saw Sam's leg, like trying to kick it away and that foot, I just got worried. And then it ended up being justified because then we, we later on get that scene where she shows, he shows Ellie that he had been bit. Um, but focusing in on, on Henry and Joel, Joel did become vulnerable again in that moment. He did open up his little, his little party, if we're going to use a D&D term, to two more people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Joel will do that very easily because he has lived 20 plus years doing terrible things to survive, trying to get over the grief and loss of his own daughter, and everything that ha- that we have learned about him and what he's done over the 20 years to see him actually take a second and appreciate these two people and open up the an invitation to them to continue on on their quest their road trip it said a lot and then to see what happened after that we already know that Joel is struggling with not being able to save people that he thinks he should be able to save his daughter, Sarah, uh, Tess, right. His, I don't know if we can call uh, her his girlfriend, but they actually had, they, they had a love for each other. Some somehow, and he felt that he needed to protect both of them. And he failed in that instance. And to, to see him open, open up the door just even a little bit to his heart to open up and invite Henry and Sam, and then to have what happened happen. To me is just another gut punch but there's a second part to that and i'd love to hear what you guys think about it and it has to do with ellie because they talked about it i think it was in the uh, inside the episode feature after the the episode they talked about how ellie really hasn't gone through that kind of loss and that there's a lot of similarities with ellie and joel but that's not one of them losing losing someone that you wanted to protect But she got that bitter taste of that experience now. And she wrote that on their little note board, which I thought was super, super effective to communicate through. I thought it was so, so effective. And she wrote, I'm sorry, and then laid it on their grave, on on Sam's grave. And then she was done. She's like, I'm leaving. We're out of here. We're going. And that's a wall of protection, right, that she's putting up around her. Just to protect it's her emotion, emotions, it's a coping, exactly coping mechanism. So now that's another similarity between the two of them. And it's a really, really sad one. And yeah. oh gosh, just another uh, level of that heartbreak for both of these two characters.
1: Her reaction after leaving that little notepad equivalent on their place of rest reminded me of the inside of the episode. Um, I don't know if it was the last episode or before that. But the director was talking about and comparing Ellie and Joel's character fundamentally and was saying that Ellie is just like Joel, where it's like, all right, turn the page, time to move on. Let's not reread the last page we just read. And she showed exactly that. And they always say you are who you surround yourself with. And she's literally only around Joel. So she's picking up these characteristics. But it's definitely difficult to have. A place in your heart for empathy and and these types of things when you attach yourself to someone who was similar to her age it was still like a five-year gap but still to have another child try and survive just like ellie was and then be like okay let me have my moment in the sun and be a hero because i've been told my blood is supposed to save humankind pretty much and then didn't it probably destroyed yeah. her because yeah. it's an extra level of vulnerability that she's showing. And saying, okay, I'm going to save you. I'm going to stay up through the night with you. And then she wakes up and the whole world's turned upside down.
2: I keep thinking about what Joel told her very early on. He said, you're, you might be immune, but you're not immune from getting your face torn off. And... Yeah. Really seemed like that she's a little more, she's way more careful now. She listens way more. But I was thinking about that as soon as I saw his scar or his bite mark or whatever that was. Because I just thought, like, is this really going to work? Are you really going to be able to put your blood in him and just cure him like that? Like, I'm no doctor, but that doesn't seem like that would work. Um, <laughs> And when he was laying, or when he was sitting at the end of the bed, that was the f- first thing I thought of, like, no, 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 like, you, you will get your face torn off. And she's really coming into her own, she's maturing a lot more, Um, but I still think that, you know, she will still bring that same chipper light that she has brought so far. I still think she'll bring it. It might be a little bit less, at least for a while, because she. I think she's just gonna stick with her for a while, but I don't know how. Um, I don't know how the show can go on if Joel and her are both like super sad and quiet all the time.
0: I, that wouldn't be something I would want to watch. Definitely, I, I love the dynamic between the two of them. Uh, Joel being the serious protector and Ellie being the sort of the um rambunctious teenager, right? The uh <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm not going to use the word that they used, but I, I I am listening to the official podcast where Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann are talking to um the original actor that played Joel in the video game and they they were talking about the the challenges of writing for a teenager. So you got Craig Mazin who is a middle-aged man trying to write for a teenage girl. And uh, he was calling in some assistance and some help from a friend of his. And he said that the friend talked about that challenge and how Ellie is in, he, he, in his words, the, quote, F you tuck me in stage of life, where she wants to be her own person. She wants to be the rebellious uh, rambunctious teenager, but at the same time, she still does desire the protection that Joel gives her. And you can see it. She clearly admires Joel. She admires what he can do and it makes her feel good that he can protect her. But at the same time, he doesn't want her to, he, she doesn't want him to control her. So thus the F you tuck me in, uh, type of phrase that the, that the friend of Craig Mason brought up. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic to just to get into the writing side of things. Um, and yeah, I, Caleb, I think you wanted to say something that was really just my thought.
1: Yeah, I, um, I think it's really cool that it's not a father daughter direct relationship, but they still have a lot of the same mannerisms. So it's still Joel trying to show Ellie the ropes, but ultimately They're not blood, at least to our knowledge, right? But um, when it comes down to it, I think Ellie will go back to her still uh, joking type of self once Joel is able to talk to her and say, look, this happened. It's something we have to process and cope with and deal with and then move it behind us and just move on from it. And ultimately, he is still a father, even though his daughter has since passed, but he still has that same wisdom, and he definitely seems like if he wants to, he can be a very comforting type of person, which I'm hoping we'll see a lot more of in this next episode.
0: I think it's clear that he still has that empathy and the ability to sympathize with with um, people that are going through trauma. And I, I think that uh, – I think you're right. And, but I also do think that Ellie is strong. I think she's very strong. Uh, she, she could not have survived what she seemingly has survived without that strength. So she's going to be able to snap back. Can she do it in a healthy way? Right. Because loss can either you can grieve from loss and it can become a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing. It'll be interesting to see where she goes with it and how much Joel is able to help or if he is unable to help. Um, So we'll see in the coming episodes. But um, again, remarkable storytelling, the way that they're able to get us to buy into these characters that we don't really know anything about. And unfortunately now it's ended up in their deaths and that's, uh, that's happened twice. So I don't trust you last of us. (laughs) I don't trust you at all. (laughs) Uh, But I did one last thing um, before I I did want to talk about Kathleen a little bit, but before we get to Kathleen, my, my final thought, I'll just say on, on Henry and Sam, when the scene was developing, in the hotel room, and Sam and Ellie were sort of chit-chatting back and forth, um, and then he asked that question about, "Are you still you, or, or is I don't even remember how he worded it, but when you're the when the monsters get you, are you still you, something like that?" And it became very apparent very quickly that he was bitten. I sort of hoped against hope, Luke. You you alluded to it with Ellie trying to uh, heal him. I don't know that that would have been the best thing for the story had she done that, because then that sort of gets into like, I don't know, um, Ellie as a savior and she could save as she goes along. And I don't know that they're trying to tell that story. So I think that would have been a little bit out of left field. So as hard as it was to see what happened, I think that's what needed to happen. Um, And then we'd also learn also about Ellie, where she responds back. Her biggest fear is that she she ends up alone and that's profound in as uh, in itself go ahead Caleb
1: I totally agree that it was it would have been great to see Sam survive but what needed to happen did happen and it made me start to think that it's even more important that they get Ellie into the right hands because the wrong hands are gonna poke and prod her and probe her and do all this extra testing and make her life miserable instead of the right hands having an idea of okay let's find what's in her blood with one vial because she's still a child and work with that and make sure that we can get this antidote or whatever vaccine you want to call it to try and change the world for the better. Because she obviously didn't work by just rubbing her blood on the contacted bite mark. And if they can do something in the right hands that will save, that's definitely the priority. And that just to me solidified it two, threefold more.
2: I, would agree but i think that joel is more i think his path is very different than that unless it's going to change his path is to find his brother but it yeah, totally. it's, i feel like that's not even um the goal i feel like that's sort of just the path he's on and ellie's going to be along the way for that but you know i can't really i know he's becoming very attached but like he you know he doesn't seem like a Firefly or a Freedom Fighter or anything like that, yeah. right? So I it would be sort of weird. I don't know how well he would fit in in, like, an organized structure like that where he's responsible for, you know, protecting something or
0: um, that isn't, like, a person while they're on a journey like this, right? You're talking about Joel? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He's a lone wolf. He's a survivor. He's not he, – I don't see him as a... – you know, like a part of a bigger organization. Definitely, he he's he makes up the rules as he goes along, and they're his rules at least now. And I don't know if that's well where he'll end up, but yeah, I see that. But the thing that so I- the
1: thing that before you go, the thing that I think of is I'm not a believer, and you can't teach an old dog new tricks mm-hmm. because ultimately he would have sacrificed himself to save his daughter in the beginning in the first episode. Just yeah, because agree. he hasn't done it in a long time doesn't mean he won't do it again. And that's why I think his ultimate path right now is to get his brother to get back with his brother. But that might not be his brother's same goal to get back with Joel. Because obviously there's a little bit of division, or a lot of bit of division, depending on how you see it, between the two brothers. And maybe ultimately, I don't know if you guys watched the the Into the Next episode. The like promo the for the next, for the next e- episode. Yeah, episode, I did, yeah. Yeah, you saw the, what I assume is Joel – and Ellie riding away on a horse again. So yeah, I don't yeah. think that ultimately the main goal is to just reconnect with his brother. I think ultimately it's going to change and be like, okay, I love you, bro. But I got to save her because she's just a child and she needs me.
0: Yeah, especially with her importance. Um,
1: the,
0: the thing with Sam, though, that I wanted to express was I, I, was, I found myself as the moment started getting closer really not liking the idea that he was going to become an infected because I couldn't see the purpose in that. Because why, I mean, Bill and Frank was a was a wonderful story. They, they, they were one, that story with Bill and Frank was a wonderful story. But I couldn't draw parallels to Henry and Sam. At least I couldn't in my mind i was just asking myself why are you going to introduce these two characters only to have them die at the end of the episode but as i w- i sort of reasoned myself through it and i want to hear both of your thoughts on that ultimately it goes back to the sort of what i what i said to mom as we were watching the episode this story is about joel and ellie and they helped joel and ellie proceed to the next step of their story. They helped them. They ultimately sacrificed themselves to help the mission that hopefully we all hope will help save humanity because they were stuck in Kansas city. And I am not sure they were getting out of that city without Henry and Sam. And unfortunately it cost their lives but it helped Joel and Ellie. And again, this story is a Joel and Ellie story. So that's the way I reasoned it in my mind. Love to hear what you guys have to say about that. Cause I was a little bit upset that they introduced these two stories and these two characters and, um, and then took them away from us at the end of the episode. I think the,
2: it was a reminder of how real this world is. Like no one is safe. You liking a character does not mean that they won't die. They, no one and nothing is safe from the dangers that are out there because, you know, they were talking about how the people were the real danger, right? Not the infected, but they. This is a reminder that the infected. It's been a while since we've really seen the infected. Play a, uh, play a big part in something, right? The yeah, last time I we, agree. That's true. Last time we saw that was uh, when they were when it just became Joel and Ellie. Um,
0: and that was what episode two or three. Yeah. The, I um, think the last time we saw an infected before this was the bill and Frank episode that Ellie found the crushed one in the very beginning of the episode.
1: And there yeah, was really no infected in that. All.
0: Nothing. It was. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Go on. So I think this, it served as sort of a, a reminder of what's
2: out there for them outside of just dangerous people.
1: Yeah. I liked your point, Luke, about reminding us that it's a very real world. It's about surviving and you're just looking over your shoulder, protecting who you have valued and deemed to be in your group, right? So in bringing them, bringing Henry and Sam into their little group, it reminds us that like, even though they sort of seem like they're immortal because they're the main characters, they are the main characters for a reason It's not a giant group it's not a team it's not a massive conglomerate of people and i don't know what it says about me i hope it doesn't make me seem like um i'm cynical or anything (laughs) but i'm loving this show because of how cutthroat it is because of how quickly it can turn on a dime where they're playing soccer in this like basement and then all of a sudden sam is now trying to eat um eat ellie without any reservation like his his mind is gone and i don't know it just makes me feel like they're really diving making it serious like it's it's not rated pg for a reason and as much as i want to love sam and and henry in the next episode we literally can't but i loved them as characters for what they were
0: yeah, you guys bring up great points and there are definitely stakes to this. There's no doubt that there's danger around every corner and that's why sort of when the characters are walking around being loud, I want to yell at the TV like I literally want to say, be quiet stop why <laughs> you don't know when a clicker is just sort of wandering around in circles in a in a yeah. room somewhere and next thing you know you open a door and boom
1: yeah. That was the first thing I thought when they crossed the bridge, they made it clear that they're out of the maintenance tunnel and stuff. That was the one thing that I didn't like about Henry is he knew everything and it gave off this sort of like cockiness, but he made it clear after the bridge, I don't know what else is out there waiting for us. Yeah. Right. So they made it out of the the maintenance tunnel and then he didn't know what was waiting. He just knew that they needed to get past the one house and then the bridge was right behind it. In my mind, automatically, Henry said, oh, yeah, there's no more infected in the maintenance tunnels. They cleared that out years ago, and there's no way for them to get back in. In my mind, I was like, all right, they cleared it out just to the maintenance tunnel. It's right there waiting for you. And they made it very abundantly clear that they are there waiting and in massive numbers.
0: Well, and now the status of Kansas City is back to where it was 20 years ago because FEDRA was abusing their power and caused people to rise up. Unfortunately, those people then ended up acting in ways that were um, maybe not as bad as FEDRA, but not good either. Uh, And now all those people are dead, you know, and now we have a a legion of of infected running around that will probably end up, many of them back in Kansas City. So, you know, it just goes to show you that nothing is safe in this world um, I wanted to mention before we ended up uh, end up this this talk and get into the Bad Batch, I wanted to bring up Kathleen because before I even do that, I do want to give one last shout out to to Sam because the the little boy that played him just absolutely melted my heart and won me over the Rush first it. time I see him. Uh, Kayvon Wood Woodard, he is um, he does not have his hearing in real life. He is I loved the fact that they made that a part of the story. Uh, and they even said in the uh, in the follow up um, inside the episode how crew members and the other actors were actively learning ASL, American Sign Language, on set while they were filming, and I just love that. I just re- that really warmed my heart. That little boy is just beautiful, amazing actor, and he, he just killed it. He absolutely killed it. Really, both of them did. I mean, everybody really is. So, um, but Kathleen, I wanted to bring up Kathleen before we end up, and. Um, what an int- i just really thought she was an interesting interesting character because she is absolutely menacing but you look at her and you don't think based on looks you don't think threat but boy oh boy she was ruthless and she was ready to accomplish whatever goal she was ready to accomplish and i thought again limited time with another character we knew nothing about her we learned everything we needed to know and when that little clicker got her i was i sat up straight up in my in the on the couch and was just like oh yes (laughs) they made me dislike that character so quickly that i actually was happy when that clicker got her she was so ruthless uh what did you guys uh have any thoughts on kathleen
1: i have many thoughts but i will encapsulate them in one reaction and it was the same as when the little girl clicker got her i was happy i thought just good because she's to me is like the definition of vindictive you said it that she can achieve any goal she wants but she didn't want to achieve any goal she just wanted revenge that's all she wanted she didn't want power she didn't want what was best for the people she made it very abundantly clear that she wasn't for the people because although she was calling the shots she was calling the shots for the betterment of her agenda. And ultimately, it cost everybody who went with them because there's no way that any one of the people who survived that massive swarm of infected. Yep, I
0: agree. Luke, Kathleen? Um. Yeah, I just
1: have
2: one thought about that. I think the guy's name was Perry when she was talking about her brother and everything. And he said... Something like, with all due respect to your brother, he didn't do anything you did. And I think that's a testament to what, the the kind of person you have to be to survive in this world. You have to be cutthroat, and you have to put your morals aside, because there are no more rules, and if you try to play by the old rules, you're playing at a disadvantage, right? And I thought that was very... Um, very indicative of who she was as a person and what that entire revolution stood for.
0: And this all happened in, what, 90 minutes? I don't remember how long episode four was when we were introduced to Kansas City and that whole whole dynamic. But, you know, we have about an hour's worth of storytelling, 90 minutes of storytelling with Kathleen. And we have a fully fleshed out, very... Unlikable villain, and I yeah. it goes to the magnificence of the writing and the performances and the production of this show. So, you know, there's been, you know, I love my marvel my Marvel movies, and I know we all have our our list of betters and better villains and not so great villains. But it's like, how do you have a, a wasted villain in in an incredible universe like Marvel when you get a master class in how to create a. Uh, a type of villain like Kathleen in two episodes of a TV show, man, sign me up for more of whatever they're cooking on this. Sign me up for more. That's great. Um, so really th- those are my final thoughts on the show. Anything else that you guys want to add before we move on to the bad batch?
1: No, I just, I love the details that they put into the show. I appreciate every second that they've put into the show. Cause it appreciate, it makes me appreciate the 54 minutes that were on the screen for us to this week and then the runtime going forward and in the past. So I'm so glad that it's, it's paying off and that I'm not the only one enjoying it. It seems like the masses are enjoying it oh, too. Yeah.
0: It's a phenomenon. It's really, I mean, Pedro Pascal was on uh, SNL and he's just the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, the last thing I did want to say about the, uh, the last of us was that something that Craig Mason said, um, On the very first episode, when they started writing this show, they wrote on the cover of the very first script, uh, they they wrote a love story. I don't know if you guys sort of view this as a love story, but I'll tell you what he said beyond that. They said that it's a love story with the idea that it's going to explore what people will do for love. And that kind of stuff doesn't always end up being good stuff, right? And we got to see that in Henry and Sam's story in this episode, because Henry admitted that he absolutely would follow Kathleen's brother to the ends of the earth, but he ended up selling him out so he could save his brother. Is that a wrong thing? Or is that a bad thing? Is that a right thing? That's in the eye of the beholder. Kathleen, same thing. She loved her brother. She did a lot of what she did out of love, quote unquote, for her brother. And he also made a remark, Craig Mazin did, at the um, during the Inside the Episode, where he said, these are decisions that love is making, but they're not necessarily rational. But it is definitely coming from this place of love. And I think that that's such an interesting distinction to make about love. Because in the, over the history of the world... We have seen a lot of atrocities committed in the name of love, so I think that that's an interesting angle that they're that they're given to us here on the, on the Last of Us. So, all right, well, that is it for the Last of Us. We're going to go ahead and get into the Bad Batch now. And before we get into the most recent episodes of the Bad Batch, uh, seven and eight, Caleb, Luke, and I talked about it last week, but I have to hear what you thought about the last episode, the one with um, Gunji. You didn't get to talk about that here on on the podcast, and we know how much you love Kashik, and we had a wonderful discussion about uh, your your guys' history with K- Kashik. So what what was going through your mind? What did you think about um, the Bad Batch episode Tribe, where we got to reintroduce ourselves into with uh, with Gunji and get onto Kashik and see some Wookiees?
1: I thought it was really cool. I won't quote myself from my actual reaction because that doesn't go with the ways of the colby cast but i was very excited to say the least um i loved i always love seeing omega with people or creatures of her age because you can just see her intellect in full fledge and seeing her with what what did you say gunji
0: yep gunji
1: gunji just took me back to the episode with Ahsoka and the other Padawans trying to fix their lightsabers and stuff, and I was just thinking, if the Jedi were still around, Omega would have a million questions for the Jedi, and I don't know. <laughs> I I'm I'm glad that we kept the the needle moving, but just to see like sort of the backyard of Kashyyyk instead of just the shore and the, the tops of trees. I thought it was really cool that we got a little bit of history with the trees and the elder of the, the Wookiees and stuff. And then how they're really, they, they had like these headstones that remind me of like, what do they call them? Uh, Easter Island like that. And yeah. I, I'm but watching this, but the bad guys were literally going out and burning them and pissing off the Wookiees. And you know how bad, a, a uh, a, a pissed off Wookiee can get. so.
0: Yeah, you won't have your arms very quickly for, for very long. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, good. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I, I mean, we were all sort of on the same uh, wavelength there because um, of your guys' history with Kashyyyk on the, the video game side of things, which running exactly. through the tree houses and stuff. I think everybody sort of universally loved that, that side of things. And you're right, it did move the needle a little bit because the batch got to see firsthand... Uh, the how terrible the empire is and what what they're really doing and that really does play into the next two episodes which we all sort of agreed um they come across even though they're two episodes they do come across to me as just one big story so we're going to sort of treat it that way we won't break it up into um you know thoughts on episode seven and then thoughts on episode eight so we're just going to uh we'll attack it this way which um I just would love to hear your guys' thoughts on that story that we got with the Bad batch, and then i will I will share with you um why I need therapy for this show, too. So go
1: ahead. <laughs> uh, I only have real like two real points. I don't know if we're gonna go right into spoilers or not, but should I just jump right into it?
0: Yeah, and we will go right into spoilers. So thank you for the reminder. Okay.
1: Yeah, no problem. Um first is I love seeing the like logistics side of star wars because a lot of it is literally called the star wars for a reason right but the real battles are happening in the senate right now in this timeline and seeing them go after each other saying like no you're a liar you have no credibility or anything like that while everybody's trying to push their own agenda was amazing and i want to get back to that later because i don't want to jump to the end of the episode but my other point is about echo so i won't jump into that either so (laughs) go ahead
0: Luke, give me your thoughts. What did you think about the double episode drop?
2: I thought it was really good.
0: Um, You got a nice balance
2: of action and plot, but it was very emotional, and they brought back Captain Rex, and that's always... It's like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't matter what's going on. If you bring him on, it's just... Go ahead. Say what you gotta say. Do whatever you gotta do. I'm in. And with the... With him being involved in something that's so intricate was really cool. Because you're not really used to seeing Rex being the covert guy. You see him more gung-ho. He's always, like, ready to fight. But this wasn't what he was doing, and it was different. And I liked seeing that. And I also liked seeing the whole side of clone representation. Because that's something that I've always thought about. Like You had millions and millions of clones, and... They're all just gone by the time we get to A New Hope. And that's, what, 20-something years after Revenge of the Sith? So, like, where did they all go, right? So I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's 19 years after Revenge of the Sith, and, and you're right. The, the the galaxy is not a, the same place at the beginning of A New Hope as it was at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And the clones have a very big part of that their name dropped in the first star wars when obi-wan talks about fighting in the clone wars and then really nothing else is brought up going forward in the original trilogy and i love the fact that we're getting some context as to what's going on and what happens and you know it has the potential to be extremely dark but I hope that they don't go too dark because I mean, they don't have to, and that's really not star Wars. The star star Wars is not the last of us, right? <laughs> 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 um, but I love the fact that they're taking the time to explore that idea with fighting about clone rights and, you know, the big change of going from clone troopers to stormtroopers. Um, you know, and it's funny. I didn't, I've never really made a distinction in my own mind that, from clone troopers to stormtroopers, you're you're switching that first word. I always thought of stormtroopers or stormtroopers one word, and they're their own thing. But they really were a massive shift in the strategy of the of the galaxy. And when Palpatine said, you know, he basically used the circumstances again to to his favor, and he made I don't know what it was about him using the word "stormtrooper," it clicked in my brain going like, oh my God, the invention of the storm literally means the end could be potentially the end of their lives, clone troopers. And I thought that that was really powerful.
1: Yeah, I loved that. I, I believe it was Captain Rex took the time to say, no matter where we are, the Emperor still steps ahead of us. And he acknowledges like we can do what we can try and do, but we're always playing with a short deck, you know, and seeing all of the the reactions that were in the Senate when he came out from his chambers, I would call it, were just exactly how I felt. Honestly, some people were excited to see him. I was kind of excited to see him in the Bad badge, but I was also just like, oh, man, he really brings this aura and it's not a good aura about him.
0: Anytime Palpatine makes an appearance, I felt the same way when we saw him in Rebels, um, uh, when we saw him in The Rise of Skywalker. I don't care how he's introduced into a story; when he gets on the screen or his or a mention of his, of him is brought up, the stakes go up. Right? I, I just yeah. feel a sense of 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 um, danger that didn't exist before he was brought up.
1: You know who I was relieved not to see in this episode it was Crosshair. When they showed that sniper hunting down clones. Oh, sure. I just immediately thought, I was like, oh, no. They got Crosshair doing more dirty work, killing his brothers again. Yeah. And then a part of me was thinking, no, don't let yourself think that. Because Crosshair has an amazing shot. This guy was shooting all sporadic and stuff. And I didn't think that, that Crosshair would waste that type of thing. And when they took off his helmet and he... Uh, it wasn't crosshair. I was relieved, but just him being locked up with Rex was the clone. I don't even know what you would call it. He like bit his tooth and electrified himself to death. Yeah, I was shocked, almost appalled by that. I was like, man, this guy's really buying into this. Yeah, this whole I like good soldiers follow orders. <laughs> yep. You know.
0: Yeah, it was very, it was very shocking, and I know that they've shown that uh, same way of of of. Uh, basically committing suicide uh, in, in um, Star Wars one other place and it's evading me now but someone chomped down on their own teeth and it was like they had a you know like in the old World War Two spy stories like you have a little um, like a some type of poison cyanide pill. cyanide pill and you just like pop it out of your tooth and and you're gone yeah um, yeah it's a very shocking thing to see uh, and, and it was a shock to see here yeah I agree with you guys so seeing Rex is always a good thing seeing Palpatine it's always a scary thing. Um, But one character I was super happy to see was, uh, uh, was Ryo Chuchi back from the clone wars. And I loved, I just got, I I was sitting there thinking like I'm watching another, an an episode of the clone wars again. Cause this had, especially the first half, right. That first episode seven where um, it was all about the Senate. It was all about, chuchi trying to not be murdered by this by this this assassin and i just got such clone war clone wars vibes from it and then when you introduced omega into that scenario and she's running around the senate with chuchi it was like watching padme and ahsoka again and i actually thought i actually thought about both of them how how much would padme love omega how much would ahsoka love omega and yeah. gosh oh it just gave me such uh fun fun vibes um when i saw omega there on not running around what do you think omega thought about this massive uh city planet it is crazy she doesn't look very um
2: overwhelmed by anything
1: <laughs> yeah that's a good seriously. point seriously
2: she left Camino and she's been all these different places now. And she's always like, Oh, well, this is cool. But she's, she fits in everywhere and it's pretty cool. But did you notice that they went to a garage? Yes. They said that, um, Rick said that they weren't the people who own the garage weren't there.
1: Yeah. They were, his Could have been friends a warehouse
2: could have been a house, could have been an apartment, but they chose to make it a garage. Okay. So yeah. who
0: were you thinking of then when you're bringing this up? Um,
2: God, how am I forgetting the name? The guy who uh, had the diner with the Gaminoan saber dart. Oh, Dexter Jester? Arms. Yeah, that guy. Oh, no. interesting. I thought okay. about the sisters. I thought I about the sisters, the sisters, too. Yeah. 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 No, it was yeah. the sisters. I was joking. Oh. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs>
0: you you so got to let us know when them, you're joking about maybe? things. <laughs> or just name drop them. Oh, heck yeah. I would be down. I love those those two. They had, they were, they met the Bad Batch last season. They had a great episode with those two sisters. Yeah. When they were running around that droid factory, I think it was, and and uh, they made one of my favorite dad jokes ever, which was, is there an echo in here? And then Echo's just like, <laughs> yes, right here. I love that so much. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but you're right. They went, I got the, the same thing. i was like, oh, that's the sister's garage. They're just not there right now. So,
1: um, going back to, um, omega though she literally got more excited to see dirt than this amazing planet and it's like every single time she's i just compare it to her seeing dirt for the first time and i don't know it's so adorable
0: i agree and you're and you brought it up um luke i think you brought it up when you said that she didn't seem overwhelmed, right she was now she's literally in the galactic capital surrounded by the lawmakers and the senators that make yeah. this massive machine go and she's just like oh wait hold on I, I actually have um i have a direct direct quote from her ready hello hello see that's omega's <laughs> that's first to say. could you could you guys hear that this of her first appearance yeah. on the kobe cast would you like to hear her again yes please hello There you go. Hello. That's that's I, that's it. That Hello.
2: Like
0: a, like a fly buzzing
2: by the microphone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the high production value of the Colby cast. You, you can hear uh, screen cap recordings uh, played on my phone into my microphone. So
1: there you go. Hello. Oh, speaking of, I can't help but just think of what's his name, D. Bradley Baker, just talking to himself. Like he's you. Have you seen the movie the movie Split? No, Luke, have you seen it? No, but I you guys know what it is already right? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's a guy who has like seven personalities in his brain. That's like D. Bradley Baker. Just imagine him in the sound booth, just <laughs> standing on one side of the room, saying records, lines, then going to the other side, talking like tech and doing all this stuff. And I just can't help but just giggle to myself every time that I make that joke to myself.
0: Well, we got a little bit of that when we saw the Bad Batch panel at Celebration, yeah. right? Because they did. They exactly. actually performed a scene with uh, Michelle Ong and, uh, and and D. Bradley Baker right there on the stage. Yeah. And he That's does where he does this is.
1: joke was born. (laughs) that's where this joke was born for me I was like he definitely stands in the sound booth in different spots when he talks to different characters
0: well I'm very glad that we're having this good laugh because the end of the episode or the end of the two episodes um man I I didn't I don't understand why I react this way I I blame the music (laughs) (laughs) I blame the music I wasn't ready I was not ready for what happened um so the whole thing is over the threat is diffused to a certain extent. You know, nobody's getting running around trying to be assassinated <clears> and being victimized of an assassin. Um, Palpatine gets his way. Now we've got the clones are fighting literally for their existence. And, you know, I saw somebody on Twitter. Here's a little rabbit trail. I saw somebody on Twitter uh, post a picture of the clone that we saw in Obi-Wan, in the Obi-Wan series, when he went to that planet to get Leia back. I think it was the second episode. And he was walking through the streets, and you know, people are trying to sell him drugs. And he sees a clone, still in his armor, and he's got this man- mangy beard and long hair, and his helmet out, trying to ask for donations. And man, now you think about that, and it hits different, right? Because they're literally trying to legislate the clones out of existence, mm-hmm. and their very existence is going to become a fight. Anyway, that's a rabbit trail. My my original point was. I called it. I called it. And one of you guys said right here to my face on the Colby cast that they're not going to break up again. And you lied to me. Whoever was said that. I think it was you, Caleb. It definitely
1: was not me Mm -hmm. as I nod my head. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Echo is going to go with Rex. And he's no longer part of the batch. And now Omega and her three brothers walked back to that ship and I wasn't ready. I don't. I don't. Wa- I'm gonna go Barney Stinson right now. I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't want any of it. No, <laughs> no more. They they need all. They need to be all together. They need to be happy. It needs to be called the happy batch, not so the bad
1: batch. here's here's where you're wrong, but it's okay. I, oh it's okay. God,
0: here we go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Echo is happier with Rex. He's able to achieve the things he wants to achieve while the rest of the gang is perfectly content and happy doing what they're currently doing and staying with Omega because I would never, ever, ever condone the Bad Batch doing what they used to do pre-Omega. That's just not going to happen with a child on board. So Echo has made it abundantly clear that he wants to help in a bigger way, and this is going to allow that. He makes it. He they have their one on one. Echo and Omega, and they say I'm not gone forever. He sort of makes it clear that he's gonna come back, but at right now, at this point in time, his efforts and his time are much better off with Rex. And Rex is a great leader that he's fought toe to toe with, uh, in the past. And I'm glad to see that Echo is gonna be able to to follow up on that without being this dramatic, I'm never talking to you again because they're his brothers, you know?
0: I hear your words. <laughs> I acknowledge your words, that they're logical, and they're most likely true. With that being said, I reject it all. I reject <laughs> it. So I will bring in a slightly less logical person, to, f- <laughs> to feed in to my sadness. Luke, make me feel more points. Shut up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got me there.
0: Take your logic and your well-thought-out phrases and get out of here.
1: Luke? All I'm hearing is that you guys don't want Echo to be happy and you guys are fake Bad Batch fans
0: that yep that's word for word you're fake <laughs> you're fake not even fake bad batch fan you're just no fake. You. no you no you um <laughs> luke what do you think about echo leaving
2: um i'm sad that he's gone but it's good for him because you could tell that this is what he's needed right you know he doesn't he doesn't like playing babysitter. He doesn't like being on the run. He wants to help, and he wants to make a difference. And I think the whole Bad Batch wants to make a difference. But, you know, X and X and Recco, Rex and Echo go <laughs> way back. They go further back than the Bad Batch does with Echo, right? So, you know, he's. it's not like he's just going off with some stranger, right? This is one of his closest friends for his entire life and he's going to get to do what he wants to do. And I'm sure at some point their paths will cross again.
0: I'm, I'm going to reject everything you said too. That's, that's too logical. I expected less from you, Luke. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I think I'm just going to end the episode right now and I'm going to go find a, like a Grogu stuffed animal that we have. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hold on to the Grogu little plushie like Omega did at the end of this episode. Because that made maybe that made her feel better. Because you guys can are not making recreate, me feel better.
1: Can we please recreate that and post that on all of our socials?
0: <laughs> yeah, when you create the Colby Cast TikTok, that can be our first um, <laughs> our first post. Um, I I know you, I know everything you guys are saying is right. You're. I appreciate the fact that you guys are not feeding into my my misery. You guys are to right. your
1: sadness. To your sadness, I just say. Is it going to stop making you watch? Are you going to stop watching? No. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No,
0: but actually it's going to, it makes me want to watch more because I I (laughs) want, but seriously, yes, I was very emotional about Echo leaving just because I want them all to be together and happy. But, the galaxy, like the Last of Us world, the galaxy is not a happy place. You have to f- actively find your, your your happy in the Star Wars galaxy. And you're right. Echo and Rex have this magnificent history. He left Rex to go with the Bad Batch when at the end of the, uh, the Bad Batch arc in the Clone Wars Season 7. And that was the right thing at that time. Yeah. But now things have changed so drastically. It's probably correct that he is now within the right place for um with rex uh so and and i do like the fact very very much that echo did take the time to tell omega that he's not leaving forever that they'll they'll see each other again and i'm gonna hold him to that because if i because if if he's if he's lying to me like you guys are lying to me (laughs) then i'm just i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say strongly worded things but i will still keep watching
1: I'm okay being completely wrong, and I would say if the Bad Batch entirely breaks up, I'm just going to gaslight the both of you and all of our listeners to saying I never said that they were not going to break up.
0: You will just reboot the simulation?
1: Yep, exactly. Turn it on and off again.
0: This is my one concern, and and we'll go ahead and end, uh, end our, our little talk. And thank you guys. You did make me feel better. So, Misery loves company, but you guys weren't that miserable. So. <laughs> um There's one thing that's interesting about this season, and I'm going to be interested to see what it turns into. They've sort of gone out of their way to show us something that each member really likes to do and is good at. Echo has found his place with Rex to help on the bigger scale that's not tied into the Bad Batch. Omega really enjoyed her archaeological dig, with uh, fee we all know hunter's gonna gonna protect omega i brought that up um wrecker loves being with the wookies clearly he was very comfortable and he does and he really drinks that water that they were serving him he loves that water (laughs) and tech was really really good at racing in those riot racers riot races so I'm just, I'm not saying I'm not even speculating. I'm just pointing out the obvious that they have shown us different things that each character has excelled at and has enjoyed. So I'm just saying that if, uh, if they break up the bad batch by the end of this whole thing, I'm, I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing, which is wagging my finger at the camera (laughs) and I will continue to be upset but I will still love Star Wars because I will love Star Wars forever and I will keep watching whatever they tell me to watch. So,
1: But it'll be great consolation because if this conspiracy theory that you just chalked up right now is correct, you would have been the first that I know to have broken the news. You, were, you can be held liable for breaking up the Bad Batch. I take it all back. <laughs>
0: If I'm going to be held responsible for the, for things I say on this podcast, then I'm going to have to call it the Caleb and Luke cast or something because.
1: (laughs) Take your name right off of it.
0: (laughs) I can't be held responsible. All right. So, um, final word, final word, Omega. Hello.
1: Hello. You need one that says goodbye. Come on.
0: Does she ever say goodbye? No, because she likes people being around her. She just says hello. (laughs) She doesn't say goodbye. Uh, Okay, that's enough. I think of that. So, thank you guys for uh, making me feel better after this. But this was really a remarkable week. Um, And before we actually leave, um, I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to uh, Shrinking. I know we've talked about it a couple times on the podcast. Caleb, you're watching it. I'm watching it. Luke, get on board with Shrinking because it's so good. Absolutely, so good. Starring Jason. I can make you. No, you can't. Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. And I've never seen a show where I absolutely love every character. I can't, I love it. Every character on this show. It's so much fun. Uh, but we'll probably end up talking about it at greater length at another time. But if you have Apple TV, don't sleep on shrinking. It is excellent. Excellent show. So, uh, any final thoughts, gentlemen?
1: No, I would just say if you're going to watch shrinking, it's not like a, a fun show. It is very funny. But it's also... Uh, heavy topics. It is heavy
0: and there's and it's very mature uh, themes. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's probably not necessarily, mostly for language, it's probably not uh, for, for kids. So, alrighty, well that's going to do it uh, for Caleb and for Luke. We appreciate all of you that listen. We know that everybody's busy out there and the time that you choose to spend listening to our shenanigans is very much appreciated. We hope everybody uh, is enjoying our talks about these various things and we hope that everybody is happy and healthy take good care of each other bye you can find the colby cast on twitter and instagram at the colby cast if you're wordy like me you can send an email to the colby cast at gmail.com please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything, for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast, unless otherwise indicated.
2: That'll do, donkey. That'll do.